Happy Father's Day. Amen. Good to be with you this morning, and we're going to continue our series, and um, I, you know, I'm just going to open up. I'm going to speak about 10 minutes, and then we're going to go into the man cave for some wisdom and knowledge. <laughs> yeah, we have helps today, helps today. All righty. Well, if you were here pre-service, we had some bad dad jokes. Now, I have some better bad dad jokes to share with you this morning. Why, why don't eggs tell jokes? They crack up. They crack up. How do you get, how do you get a squirrel to like you? Act like a nut. Did you hear the rumor about butter? Well, I'm not going to spread it. What concert cost you just 45 cents? 50 cent featuring Nickelback. Why did the math book look so sad? Because of all its problems. What kind of shoes do ninjas wear? Sneakers. Sneakers, sneakers. I got a great joke about construction, but I'm still working on it. I used to hate facial hair, but then it grew on me. It takes guts to be an organ donor. I don't know if you said this one. Why can't a nose be 12 inches long? Because then it would be a foot. Somebody got that one back there. The math teacher got that one. So what's the best way to watch a fly fishing tournament? Live stream. Live stream. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Great food, no atmosphere. No atmosphere. All right. Dad jokes. We need Ross Gearart. He's the dad joke guy. He really is. But you know, being a dad's no laughing matter. I want you to hear that today. Really, being a dad's no laughing matter. And I'm going to speak to dads, but I'm going to speak to men today because it's serious business. It's not easy. It's hard work being a dad. And the main thought I want to share with you just for a few moments is this, that leaders, fathers are leaders and influencers. Fathers are leaders and influencers. I want you to get that today. We're going to look at somebody in the Word of God that we're called to be a leader and an influencer. And the question is, what kind of leader do you want to be today? What kind of leader do you want to be today? We have a possibility to lead in one direction or the other. Good direction, not a good direction. A godly direction or not so much a godly direction. What kind of leader do you want to be today? And I've got to say, you know, uh, we're only doing one service, but it, it's great to be together, isn't it? Isn't it good to be together? Amen. 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 So stand with me and... Uh, Let's say it together. It's good to say it together. It's been a while since we've said it together, and uh, we're going to make our confession, our Bible confession, that this is my Bible, and we're going to the Word of God today because the Word of God is our blueprint, our foundation, it's our truth, it, it's our instruction manual, and it's where we receive our power and our resources. So let's say it together, if you have your Bible, hold it up, or your app, 
and let's join together and believe God's going to speak to our hearts this morning. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the Word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God and will change my life. I'll never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You sound great. You may be seated. Hallelujah. So quickly, a leader can delegate anything. How many like to delegate? Come on. We like to delegate, don't we? That's leadership. What are you doing? Well, I'm delegating. That's a leader. We can delegate just about everything and anything but this one thing, and that is responsibility. Say that with me, responsibility. Responsibility. Oh, we can model it, and we can teach it, and we can share it. But in the words of President Harry Truman, who was vice president in office during World War II, when President Roosevelt passed away after three terms, and this is what he said. He's the one that led us to victory in World War II. He said, the buck stops with the leader. The buck stops here. We can give many things away, but as leaders and as dads, we can't afford to delegate responsibility. And what am I talking about when I talk about responsibility? The ability to meet obligations, being accountable, a duty of trust which is the ability to keep commitments, commitments, responsibility. We can't give it away. Dads can't delegate responsibility. And that is one of, I believe, the problems we're seeing in our culture today. The lack of dads being leaders and not taking responsibility. It's not easy. It's hard work. But I want all the men here to say this. You want to be a leader today, whether you're married, not married, have children, don't have children. Let's say it together. I can do this. this. Come on, say it again. I can do this. this. And then let's say to encourage others this morning, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Well, maybe not you, but you can do this. (laughs) Now let's say it together. We can do this. We can do this. Come on. Because God's called us to do this. And what he calls us, he equips us to do this. And what I'm going to look at real quick is it's a manly thing to love God. Amen? Amen. God speaks to men. God speaks to women. women. God uses women. God calls women. We see that in the Word of God. But it's overwhelmingly clear in the Word of God God is speaking to men. If men will hear and men will obey and men will trust, God wants to use men. It's a manly thing. And God's calling us to be leaders and influencers and men of God. So we look briefly at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. One of my, uh, I really love this portion of Scripture. We see King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And it's dangerous when I say this. To anyone and to men, I want to give you a little assignment. That means you have to do something later and take a little bit of time. And that's a dangerous thing to ask us sometime. But get some time alone. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 20. 
all by yourself with King Jehoshaphat. He became king of Judah. Why Judah? Because Israel is now a divided nation. There's been a civil war. The northern kingdom is called Israel. The southern kingdom is called Judah with the capital in Jerusalem after the civil war. And as he becomes king of Judah, he assumes a trust like all kings. He was to lead the people, protect the people, and manage the resources of the nation of the kingdom. So here in Second Chronicles, we see Jehoshaphat's greatest challenge to his leadership is this. There's a great multitude, many numerous armies coming against you, and they are going to crush Judah. And in the face of those incredible odds, how many think he was afraid? Come on, how many's ever been afraid before? Come on, this is a test of our manhood. Yeah. It was a crisis, and he was afraid. And what we've been in the last three months has been a crisis. America and the world hasn't seen anything, I think, like this really since World War II. It's been a crisis. In the middle of this crisis, he gets the news, kingdoms are coming against you. There's going to be war. They're greater. They're mightier. They're going to crush Judah. These odds are against him. Fear was rising up in him, and, and he's in this crisis. And he faced the same options that we can face in a crisis. I, I don't think Dave's going to say this, but I, I know Dave a little bit. And, and they just celebrated, like we did recently, our 40th wedding anniversary. Amen. No, you need to be clapping for Diane up there. Yay, Diane. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you got married, and then uh, how weeks or months did you find out already that you're expecting your, your, your child? About 10 or 12 weeks later, and Dave has gone on after college and a master's degree, and according, I'm going to say this, I don't want to embarrass him, to world standards, he's been a success, but at that time, you were kind of frightened because... There wasn't a secure job taking place, and I were married, and now we're having a baby. I would be a little frightened. How about you? Yeah, we were first married, and, and you know, we're in the ministry. We weren't making very much money 40 years ago, and Teresa wants to have a baby, and yeah, I wanted to have kids, but like years down the road, and, and so you're a little frightened. You know, what are we going to do here? And so we have these choices to make in a crisis. We can give up, back up, back up, or stand up. And I want to encourage us, you may feel like giving up, and you may have backed up a little bit, but it's not too late. We can stand up, amen? Stand up. We're not going to back up. We're not going to give up. We're standing up today. We look at this, in this test, and in these times, we find the quality of our leadership. We know the outcome in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, God gives Jehoshaphat and Judah an overwhelming victory. Thank God for that. An overwhelming victory. More than conquerors. But in order to receive that victory, the leader, King Jehoshaphat, had to take the appropriate steps. If you want victory, if you want success, I want to hear this. Come on, guys. I want you to hear this. You have to take the proper steps to achieve that Success. And I looked at his life. There's three elements in his life that will bring about that victory to the place of victory 
in your life. And it says, and when he heard this news, he made a choice. And we see it right there in verse 3, to do three things. First of all, he said, I'm going to seek God. That's a manly thing. We get a sign or a picture, I should say, in our home when life gets hard, kneel. It's a manly thing to seek God. He began to seek the Lord. He began to turn his heart, turn his face toward the Lord. And so what does that look like? What are the elements of seeking God? Because the Lord says, if you seek me, you're going to find me if you search for me with all of your heart. So part of the elements, three steps, I'm going to say this is fasting. Say that with me, fasting. Now, we say that to guys, we think about food, we think about eating, we think about not food and not eating. Fasting does not sound appealing. Because we like to eat, it's a basic need, necessity of life, and you're thinking about already, it's Father's Day, what are we eating after church? Yeah, I thought about that yesterday and the day before. What are we going to do today? We got an idea, a place picked out, what we're going to do. And you're thinking about, are you going to grill ribs, burgers, steaks today? What are you going to do for a father? But, and what do we do? Not just stop eating, but the time we would spend, we want to spend some time with God. A little more time in the presence of God. Or maybe it's not fasting from food. Maybe it's fasting from technology. Maybe it's fasting from television. And really, this is not going to be hard at this season, fasting from sports. We don't have any sports going on. But, uh, you know, so uh, whatever it is that you replace the time to seek God by fasting that you plug God in there. And then he says, I'm going to pray. I don't know what to do, verse 12, but my eyes are on you. Have you ever been there before, God? I don't know what to do. I don't have a clue. I'm going to look to you. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, we've been there. God, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to seek your face. If you seek him, you're going to find him. I want to know you. Not about you, I want to know you. I want to hear your word. I want to hear your voice. I want to have your heart. I want to know what to do when I have questions. I want a relationship with you, God. Like Joshua and Mike finished up last week. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm making a decision. So we fast. What does it look like to seek God? We fast, we pray, and here's what we do. We praise the Lord. You look at the latter part of chapter 20. We praise the Lord. It's a manly thing to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for he is good. When we praise God, it's more than singing. I want you to see, when we praise the Lord, the word of God says that he inhabits the praises of his people. You begin to lift up his name. You begin to exalt him. These were men leading the way. They put the worship team out front in the battle. And the men begin to praise God and lift up the name of Jesus. When we begin to do that, he comes into our lives, comes into our circumstance, comes into our scenario, and it says that his rule and reign take place because we've put him in his proper place. We've worshiped him. I want God in the place I am. Amen? I want his will to be done in my life and my circumstance and my situation. When I begin to praise him, 
The enemy has to flee. And it tells us there, they won this victory because when they began to praise him, the enemy became so confused, they turned on each other and began to annihilate each other. Hallelujah. Began to praise the Lord. How many can just lift up the name of Jesus right there? Come on, amen. Jesus, we praise you. We exalt you. We worship you. Confusion takes place in the enemy, and your confusion is going to dissipate. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. So I want to say this. The enemy was ambushed. They were defeated. Fathers are leaders and influencers. So what kind of leader do you want to be? And we have the option to be a dropout. Leaders who give up and fail to take responsibility The consequences of that we're reaping in our culture right now. And I believe as the church of Jesus Christ, we can help that situation. Do you believe that today? We can be cop-outs, make excuses why we can't do this. Hold-outs, we waver, procrastinate taking responsibility, or we can be all-outs. I'm going all out for Jesus. I want you to go with me today. How many men would say today, I want to be all out for Jesus? I want to be all out for Jesus. I want to close with this. I'm going to cut it short. I need to. I'm gone too long. But it says right here, we have to take this personal responsibility, but then we have this wonderful thing called church where we live this out in community. We don't have to do it alone. How many has ever needed help from somebody? How many ever have trouble asking for help from somebody. But we do this in community. And so, this is what the Word of God says. As we are in the body of Christ, the family of God, as we're men of God, Proverbs 15, 22, without consultation and wise advice, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they are established and succeed. That means we have help. Right here, we have counselors, advisors, a man cave that is going to help us today about discipline and not punishment and raising our children. Different stages, different places of life. Some of us have been there, done that. Now we have grandchildren, but we learn from each other. That's what we do. We learn from each other. Nobody's perfect, right? There's one, Jesus, but beside Jesus, nobody's perfect. And we learn from each other. We learn from the good, the bad, the ugly, failures, mistakes, that maybe, hopefully, he's doing something that I could be doing. He's done something wrong that I can learn from that. I don't have to do that wrong thing. Amen? So let's learn from the guys here a moment. Ryan's going to help kind of emcee and talk to us here. And uh, I guess I'm going to sit here, or I'm going to grab a chair. Actually, I'm going to grab the chair over here. You guys don't want to be real close over there like we are? Well, why don't we uh, just uh, go around, everybody introduce yourselves, uh, tell us about your kids, their ages, things like that. So, do you, do you want to start, Eric? I'm not that much of a man. I have to sit in the chair here. Yeah, so. you are nice. uh, my name is uh, Eric Leyland. I have five children. Uh, my oldest is nine, no. Eleanor. If you need uh, Emmett is seven. Uh, Eden is five, going to turn six. Uh, and Edric is four, and then we have Abby, who's our baby, at 18 months-ish. I think we should applaud that, because he's a dad, and he remembered all the birthdates. 
so now, so now it's my turn to not mess it up. Um, I have my name is Tim Landis. I have uh, three children, one 18, one just turned 15, um, and the youngest is 14. Um, we're about to graduate. Well, as you saw last week, if you're here, we graduated. We're graduating Mackenzie, our oldest, and that is a sad thing. But also, I'm excited to see what God is going to do in her life as she goes into adulthood. That's where we're at. My name is uh, Ryan, and uh, we have four kids. Uh, our oldest is eight, and then we have a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 18-month-old little tank. Uh, named Zeke. Um, and so, yeah, that's the stages of our kids right now. My name is Peter France. I have two boys. Uh, Toby's 14 and Eli is 8. And, uh, yeah, a whole lot of fun. A whole lot of energy at the house. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Dave Deal. I have a son who's 39 um, and two grandchildren, one 10 and one 5. Yep, I'm John, Pastor John. Teresa and I have two sons. They're both married. John's 38, Jordan's 32, and each have uh, three children, and we have six grandchildren. Amen. All right, so we're going to put the questions up here. They'll also be up on the screen for, for you as well. Um, but we're just going to kind of, we're not going to go in any order. Anybody can just kind of pipe in, share. Uh, what's one thing that drives you crazy about the current stage your children are in, or what is one thing you really, really enjoy about the, the stage that your kids are in right now? I'll, I'll go first. I'll start with what I enjoy because during this time, all of our kids are school-aged, and so they obviously transition to being at home. And the dynamics of, of our family is that I've been at home, uh, not going into my office, so I work at home now. And I've taken on the majority of the, uh, the school teaching during the, during the school year. And I absolutely loved it. It was one of those things that I enjoy watching child development and, and how the brain works and how that uh, process just over the, the early years just takes place. And so I've really enjoyed being a part of that even more so now uh, with, with all the schoolwork that they were doing. Um, you know, it was just a real pleasure and a blessing to be a part of that and to see um, how they could grow in those different areas and be able to uh, you know, latch on to certain topics that, that, you know, they found interesting. And even fighting through some of the hard ones and seeing them going from struggling with something to accomplishing it and, and, and obviously working through the challenges that, ha that, that come with that. So I really enjoyed that part of it. I, I think the, the, the stage that I don't like about, I don't know if there really is. I mean, it's, it's all God's plan. You know, I think if you look at it from the standpoint of, God's in control of the situation. It, it alleviates a lot of the stress and, stress and anxiety of it. I would say the community that we live in has been a huge blessing, um, just being able to be a part of a community where the kids have the ability to go play and be outside and, and, and have that social interaction. So, you know, I mean, I think just the challenging part is, is logistics and trying to figure out, you know, you know, how to keep them entertained. All right, so the one thing that drives me crazy is that my 14-year-old is already better at math than I am, so he brings math home, and I'm like, screw it, go see mom. <laughs> uh, I can pretty much go off what Eric said. The enjoyable part about it first is that just watching them go up into the teenage years, because all of them are teenagers, 
and then um, watching one into adulthood, just seeing the transformation of their lives and them to be able to grasp at their ages, um, like first and foremost, their love for, for, for Christ, for Jesus Christ, and, and, and where that's going and, and understanding. And, and, and one of the things that really excites me is when they, they express like a biblical truth to me and I'm, it's like something that I've never actually taught them. And I'm like, whoa, like, that's, that's one of those things. I'm like, wow, you guys are, I, I'm thankful for that in them. Um, I think one of the things that drives me crazy, though, is that they are teenagers. And they say, let me preface it by saying this. They say, well, I'll say this. I don't know what it's like to grow up in there, in this culture right now as a, as a teenager, but this is the classic line. It's like, Dad, you just don't understand. Um, that drives me a little bit crazy. Uh, yeah, and um, I'll go with the uh, enjoy side of it because there is, on the other side of teenager, is enjoy. Um, and uh, uh, <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes. <laughs> it does. But I would say, I would ultimately say... I. Like, I tell, like, guys like Ryan every day, like, because the struggle of when they're little and feeling like you don't get any sleep, you don't get any out of it, and I just tell them, like, it's a season, man. Be encouraged. It doesn't last forever. And so I, I think it's yeah. that case throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to add to that, that uh, just to watch our son become such a great father uh, and example, um, it's been really a joy uh, to see that, you know, that side of him just really develop and everything, so it's been really neat to see. Also, to see his kids do to him what he did to us. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah, uh, my, my dad used to say that same thing when we were growing up. You know, Ryan, you're going to reap what you sow here. And so I'd say the thing I enjoy, I love seeing the, my kids' personalities develop. What I don't like is that they are developing personalities like me and not Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? They, uh, like, Elena is, is 100% my child, uh, and, and so, so it's difficult because I'm sure I know what my parents were exper experiencing when I was a kid, I guess, at this point. But it's been really neat to just see how, you know, with our kids, we have, you know, girl, boy, girl, boy, and they're all very equal age, so it's like we're reliving the first two again. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing the two in school and then the other two, which are just like Layton and Landon were when they were kids. So it's just really, I don't, I don't know, I think it's really neat during this stage to just kind of see them grow and learn and, and learn about Jesus at their level and talk about Jesus at their level and just kind of to see how their, their brains and their minds are developing. It's just been really neat. So. Anybody else have anything else they want to share on that one before we go on? All right. Uh, how would you define discipline, or what does the word discipline mean to you? Uh, I guess what, one of the things we tried to do, first of all, was we, started, we stayed unified. Uh, Diane and I always were on the same page because um, we didn't want him to divide and conquer. Um, and uh, not that he would do that. Um, and then second was just to be... Uh, steady on it, is to be, you know, do the same things over and over, um, and that there was responsibility for his action, and I think that was the most important part. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing, is just staying consistent. 
Um, that's the hardest part of just sticking to the rules. And if something does go wrong, that there is a consequence, but it's not that you don't love them. And there's just a consequence for that decision. Um, and sticking to it and, and being on the same page. I mean, I guess the kids are very good at manipulating each one because they know the weaknesses. Um, so it's, it's, it takes communication to stay on the same page. And I think that's something, I mean, Heather and I are constantly working on. Um, and it's just hard to stay, stay consistent, but that's key. Yeah, and I was going to say, similar to that, um, that it's, it's not so much this, and I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but it's not so much this momentary, like, we, we think of discipline as this momentary act of, like, like, in your anger, like, I need a discipline, like, or get a butt whooping or something like that, but it's more this consistency over time, and when I was, when John was talking about Jehoshaphat, it was interesting because he, you know, ultimately he, 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 what's the word, seeked, he sought the Lord, he was seeking the Lord, and, and if you look at that, and we have to be as men, as husbands and fathers, and I want to encourage everybody out there that, like, first and foremost, our lives need to be right with Christ first, that's where it starts, so when we seek the Lord, and we're disciplined in our own life, right, so it's a course of time, like it's consistency, and, and they're, they're seeing that in our lives. It's interesting, when you read on in Jehoshaphat, he, it says he, he sought the Lord. And then after that, the verses to follow, everybody else kind of let, was led by his example. That's right. So the, when he fell down, everybody else saw him seeking the Lord, and they fell down. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's ultimately, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about running a race. Like we... We can't expect our kids to run the race if we're not running it as well. Um, and so a lot of times, I'm, I'm, I know I'm throwing a lot of out there, but um, Apostle Paul also talked about um, God's will for your life. And a lot of times we can be out there saying, like, well, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my kids? And first and foremost, he says that um, God's will for your life is your sanctification. And that's a big word, but ultimately means growing closer and closer and closer to the Lord. That's becoming right. Becoming more righteous, becoming right. more holy and closer to Christ. And so, if, guys, if you want a starting point, like, be broken before the Lord. Seek the Lord, just like Jehoshaphat. And then your, your family and your children will follow. And I think when it comes to discipline, it's about boundaries, especially at, at, the, at the early ages, at the young ages that a lot of us have. Like, it's understanding that Boundaries are important so that they understand, you know, where that limit is because they're going to test it first and foremost. So understanding that you have rules in place and that your spouse and you talk about what, you know, obviously discipline looks like in your house and you make sure that you define that. And we talked about consistency, you know, that that's really, really important. But those boundaries are needed. Those children need those boundaries because ultimately they keep seeking it. And if you don't have those boundaries in place and they keep pushing the bounds and keep pushing the bounds and keep pushing the bounds, then, then they're going to be lost. And because within child development and, and um, you know, the, the growing brain, they just, they, they crave that because they want to be told, you know, where, where that boundary is. So it's important to have that and make sure that you, that you and your spouse are working together on, on setting what those are and keep that consistency. You're going to, you're, there's going to be ebbs and flows and there's going to be times that are going to be broken, but ultimately, like, making sure that you have those boundaries in place so that the child knows what they are and they can live within that because they need that structure. They need that consistency. Um, in foster care, which my wife and I do, you know, we learn a lot about, you know, how 
you know, those boundaries are, are necessary for the, the brain growth even. And when they don't have it, and a, a child usually in foster is coming from a situation that they don't have any of that. Um, what's interesting is, is that when they come into a situation where there is a, a home with boundaries and with discipline, um, you know, they really rebel against that. But, you know, there's lovingly ways to, to help that child get into, into that atmosphere and be able to really uh, help them, you know, get that sense of, of, of center. But it takes time. Yeah, and grandkids are a little different. It's like, want some M&Ms? <laughs> yeah, there's no rules. There's no rules. I feel like every time my kids go to my parents, it's like a retraining afterwards to follow the rules. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, sure, you can have McDonald's three times a day if, if you want. If you ask Pop-Up, right, he does whatever you want. So, um, But what I keep hearing throughout, throughout you guys is this idea of consistency, right? And, uh, you know, I think that discipline obviously looks different. No matter, depending on the stage, you don't discipline your kids when they're, you know, three years old, the same way you discipline them when they're a teenager, right? Like, when I was a young kid, I got spanked, right? And I deserved every single one of them. I mean, looking back, I didn't think so then, but I did. I deserved every single, I was, I was bad. I would push my parents' buttons. And I know what would always happen is when my, when my mom would discipline us, right, we'd try to get her to laugh. Because if she laughed, then we wouldn't get a spanking when my dad got home. But if we didn't get her to laugh and my dad got home, it was going to be terrible. Right? It was going to be a terrible, terrible punishment. But the one thing I say is they were always consistent. Um, even as we got older with discipline, it was always consistency. Um, and even though it changed, it was always with that, that goal in mind. And so we kind of hit on this a little bit, but I wanted to give anybody a chance to uh, kind of add in. If you have multiple children, um, do you discipline them differently? Uh, if, you, you know, if you have multiple children, do you, do you feel like you're disciplining your kids differently, or why or why not? Well, since I have five, it's it's challenging. I'll say this is definitely an area that I struggle a lot in. Um, so I don't I don't know if there's a good answer for this. I just think you just take it, you know, situ situation by situation, and you look at you know whatever happened in that instance. You know, you um, you course correct that then. But you know, with with having a baby that's 18 months, and then having you know a nine-year-old and everything in between, it's it's really a big challenge. And I've not found you know the the, the best solution to to go about how to treat it. But I think you just look at every one of them as individuals and you look at them as, you know, you know what they need um, at that time. You know, each child has different um, makeup. And so I think, you know, Amber and I, when we, when we were parenting, there's, there's, there's different times you're gonna have to treat different, or your children differently. Um, but I think it's something, it's a good talking point because in life you have to understand that you're gonna come into situations and you're gonna have to look at, you know, everything that, that, that that's going on around it that came into that situation and, and how you handle it. So, you know, I think that, again, going back to the earlier conversation about having your boundaries and understanding that these are what it is, but there's, you know, there's wiggle room within that, so. I think the biggest thing is the standards remain the same. How you implement it is dependent on the kid, what age they're at and what, what they value. Um, so those, the standards don't change at all, but what you take away may, may change depending on what you need to do. Just real quick, I would say uh, yes and no. I think ultimately with the boundaries, there's like you have the boundaries set for your whole family. But what we've come to discover that, and they are, are our kids are all closer together, so it's not a little, it's a little bit different than what Eric is saying. But we've noticed like in the area I do agree with is that they're all different. Like they're all God has made them each unique, and so each one of them responds differently to mm -hmm. um, discipline. Yeah. Uh, 
like our youngest, you can look at her, you just look at her, and she'll be like, Aah. whereas, you know, our oldest, Mackenzie, she, she desires conversation, she desires to walk through it, you know, that sort of thing, and, and um, my boy, I don't know how to explain his, he kind of knows, he just knows, like, he knows when he's done wrong, so it's like, he just goes to his room, and whatever, whatever that looks like, and he comes down, and when he's ready, but, but so it looks, it does look different for each one of them, yeah. I, I feel like. I, I, I kind of jump in there, you know, our boys, there's an age difference, a gap, six years, and so there's a difference there, but we found out, Teresa, that even though they're brothers, great similarities, even now that they're young men, they were different temperaments, and, and what worked for John was not going to work for Jordan. And Jordan was more like, and he's a strong leader. They both are as they're men now, but you could look at Jordan, begin to talk to Jordan, and it was like, kind of like what you're talking oh, You know, he was like already, he was just feeling bad, terrible. He was already beating himself up. And John was more like, yeah, you're going to have to beat this out of me probably. Not, you know, so, and it's different. Six years, and at one point John thought, you know, you know, we loved his little brother more than him. And you've heard me say it before, John, you're 14. I thought you'd catch on by now. You're a pretty smart boy. Of course we do. We love him more than you, you know. But we, no, we love them both. And the thing is to be consistent with discipline, but maybe it looks different for each one. But that's the hard part. We keep saying that. The hard part's consistency. And then when you add more than one child to the mix, they really do want to divide and conquer you. They really do. And so you've got to stay unified in that. All right, we're going we're gonna to skip this one question go to the next one here. What's one thing that you wish your dad would have done with or for you when you were a child that maybe you are trying to implement or, or give to your children? Yeah, uh, for me, my, my dynamic was interesting. My, my dad um, was, a, was a great father and a great role model. Um, the one thing that you know, I try to take home or put into our house that, that my dad taught me is just to be uh, present uh, during during these years. Um, it's also something I think my dad struggled with because he wasn't good with that because he didn't have that uh, role model in his life. Like his his dad, uh, they they were raised on a farm and it was a very you know uh, you know third you know 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. Like the dad was you know he was. He was the provider of the family, and that's how it, how it works. That was my dad's role model, and my dad had that with me. Um, so my dad was a great provider, um, and he was there. But you know, when I when I think back, my mom was definitely the the, the one that was engaged with me the most when it came to like playtime and just the the child rearing uh, years. Um, and my dad just didn't have any any semblance of that from his dad, so I don't think he did a uh, or he just didn't have the background in that, and so. One thing that I've tried to do differently is just to be engaged in all the different levels. And I think with this current shutdown, it's, you know, just helped accelerate that more because I've been able to be there so much more and be, uh, you know, the teacher, the, you know, the, the recess attendant, you know, the, the, you know, everything. And so that's where I think that, you know, this, this current shutdown that, we're going, that we went through is, has been helped uh, just to, again, deepen that relationship with my kids and be able to, to, to do it more. 
Um, but I think for me, my dad was a good role model in the sense that he was the provider of the family. And again, we have to do that as, as husbands and, and, and dads. We have to be the provider. But also, uh, the one thing that I learned that I do, hopefully can do better than my dad is, is just be you know, there uh, in the early years, you know, digging into the, the challenging times and be able to, to you know, build and foster that relationship with them now so that you know, we have that base level to grow on as we go throughout life. Yeah, and I guess I would say that uh, I guess I wanted more time with my dad. I'm the oldest of seven, and we had two sets of twins in the family. So I was at five, then my sisters, the twin sisters at three, another single at two, and then the other twins were just born. So it was crazy household, but I didn't get a lot of time with my dad that way. He was a hard worker and always had two, three jobs, so we didn't see him a lot just because he was working to provide for the family. So, you know, it's probably why we only had one child. Uh, I, we just wanted to make sure that he got everything in terms of time from us. Um, and so what we did is every Friday night was my son's night where he would pick the dinner and the, whatever we did. And we just had every week was that special family night because uh, I always wanted that. It was probably me trying to make up for that. Um, but uh, I thought that would have been a, a lot more fun. I'm getting it more now that he's in his 80s. Uh, he's got more time on his hands, but, you know, certainly wish would have had that growing up. I can, I, I'll be real quick. I can say, relate to Eric's a lot um, with my dad. I think, I think it was that mentality with wanting to be, um, wanting to be providing so much. And a lot of times with us growing up, I had two siblings. Um, my dad had to provide a lot. Um, my mom didn't work a whole lot, but she worked a little bit. But, and I think that's the model he was given to um, from his dad. Um, and and my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, passed away pretty like early on in my dad's life. So um, that's one thing I always consider, um, considering like what my dad went through when he was growing up and like why he carried on the traits, why I continue to carry on the traits. Not to say that I know that that should be a correction, and I think we should, um, learn from the, the maybe negative traits that our dads have. And so I get, if I understand the question right, like, yeah, that's one thing I, I've always been reminded of, is that time, that time spent with them. Um, um, and even when, because it's so easy for us as, as guys when we are providing and we are working hard each day to go home and then check out. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's what we need to fight against because ultimately... Our real ministry is when we get home at night, and then that, that short amount of time that our kids see us is the time that we need to be have focused time with them and spend good time, quality time with them. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing I'm, I've always fought against because I know that I carry that trait with, that my dad. That's good. You know, if I would just jump, jump in there, and Dave is going to agree with me here. When, when I, I, I was a young father, I had so many people say to me, about raising, you know, our children, it's going to go so fast. It's going to go so fast. Didn't you have people telling you that, other guys telling you that? And when you hear that as a young father, you think, oh, yeah, 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 but I'm in this season. We're up at night late, you know, babies have diapers to change and all of that. And, and I'm going to say now that we've come through all that, yeah, it goes really fast. Doesn't it, Bob? It goes really fast. I'm talking about the seasons. You can't enjoy each season. I want you to enjoy that season that you're in right now. And, and it's wonderful. 
the season when they start to walk and they start to talk. It's a wonderful season when you begin to really play with them and they can begin to play. And even though teenage years are challenging, that's still a wonderful season. And I look back at some of that and teaching my boys to drive and drive stick shift and some of those things, you know, wonderful seasons. So enjoy the seasons. Be present, show up, because they do go by so fast, so fast. So real quick, so for me, probably my dad wasn't that involved when I was growing up. So I guess the biggest thing for me is just to be, be, be a part of their lives. Um, so that's what I try to do. But that was probably the one thing I wish I could change. I think now my relationship is really good with him. But um, growing up, not so much. So if I could add anything, my, my dad was a pastor my whole life. And so, uh, you know, the one thing he really did well was he was always a really good spiritual leader. And, and the, the reason that I was, you know, was okay when I felt like I was calling me into ministry is because my parents didn't ruin it, right? Like they, they actually lived, you know, what they, what they practiced, what they preached. They were the same people on on throughout the week as they were on Sunday mornings, and so there was no hesitation to go into ministry. The one thing, though, I, I always joke is, you know, I wish that my dad would have been a little bit more handy with, like, on just, like, completely, like, like, I wish he knew how to do, like, an oil change or change, you know, something other than a light bulb. Uh, so if you need any help with anything, I am the absolute worst person to call because I can't fix anything, and I wish I would have learned something. You're not that bad, Ryan. I, you're, I mean, you're... I wish I would have learned something. I saved myself a lot of money. Not have, I would have if I didn't have to pay you know, Jiffy Loop to do my oil change all the time. So it's, uh, so I, I kind of, I kind of wish that there would have been a little bit more like that. But honestly, I, I mean, I love the fact that if I was going to choose one of those, right, if I was going to choose, you know, whether they pass down the ability to change oil or they pass down a godly legacy, I'm glad he chose the godly legacy and choosing to, to honor Jesus and live for him and teach that. And so I really don't have honestly any regrets other than that one as a joke more than anything else. But um, we're going to end with our last question here. Um, what's one thing that God is teaching you um, during this season of fatherhood that you're in currently? And if uh, that doesn't necessarily apply and you want to answer this one, what do you think is the greatest goal for you of being a father? Either one of those you can answer. I guess I'll, I'll go again. Uh, so for me, you know, with, with, with fatherhood and, and what is teaching me is patience and to really look at and understand deeper the, the relationship that God's looking to have with you. Um, as, as you have children and you pour out your love and you have such a, a deep love for them, like the love that God has for us is infinitely more deep. And so, you know, that's one thing that I've really um, gotten from this. And, and going through the, the, the fostering thing, again, as the Bible teaches us, it's, it's to care for, for the children and for the widows and being able to, to share your love and show God's love to, to you know, the, the most needy. And, you know, as, as we got called up here to do this thing, one of the things that I really felt called and the, the Holy Spirit has put on me is, is to take a moment and, and to pray. Right now, with, with the shutdown and everything that's going on, the police are not allowed to go into a lot of these homes um, where there is drug abuse and, and violence and, and a lot of other stuff. And, and these children are stuck in these horrible situations, and it breaks my heart. And right now, Amber just shared uh, a couple of days ago that there was a, a, a survey that was done that uh, child abuse is down 51%. If anybody thinks that, you know, hold on. The, the reason why it's down is because the police are not going into these homes. Mm. It's not stopping. Mm. It's getting worse. Mm. But nobody knows about it. 
These children are stuck in these horrible situations, and they're not being found because they're not going to school where there's mandated reporters. Police are not going into these homes to see these atrocities. It's been three months. I can't imagine that the, the pain, the suffering, the torture that these kids are going through over the last couple of weeks, and it breaks my heart. So I want to pray. I want us all to really focus on helping these children. Each one of these situations, God's know, God knows he has a plan for them. I just want it to be accelerated. So. And before you pray, you're going to pray. You're going to lead us, but that's a good time to say the foster care system could use some good Christian families mm-hmm. to step in there. And so maybe some of us need to pray about that. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Is our, we opened up our house because we prayed about it, and we said, you know, we want to do what we can, and we have one now with us, and we, and we opened our house to have more brought into us. It's been a couple weeks now, and they've not brought anybody to us. And it's not because it's not needed. It's because they're not getting found. Mm. So, um, Let's Dear pray. Heavenly Father, we, we know that you have a plan. We know that you are over this situation. We know that you're in control of this situation. We pray that these, the, the police and the mandated reporters are allowed to do their jobs, that these children can get found, and that they get taken care of. Whether that's to take them out of this situation, whether it's to, to have these parents get the counseling and the help that they need to get them to, to be better parents, whatever that, that mission is that you have, please just let it be accelerated. Please let our governments be able to get back to normal so that we can have some semblance of, of peace that's brought back to these communities and that the, 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 the officers that are in this can, can do their job and be able to, to bring safety to the family and, and most importantly to these children. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, Amen. That was a heavy. Amen. Do you want to ask anybody else comment on yeah, that? Let's, uh, yeah, well, I mean, before we wrap up here, you want to yeah. comment? Yeah, okay. okay. Real quick, so I mean, I guess for me, it's a constant reminder to surrender to God each day um, because the pressure of work and having the kids around for the past three months has been quite high. Um, and it's something I can't handle on my own. So it's a, probably a daily reminder that I have to reach out to God first um, to be plugged in and know how to handle it. Amen. I, I just, anybody else? I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, just one thing. Just the season I'm in right now is legacy. Is just, you know, and Proverbs says that we're to leave an inheritance to our children's children and just, you know, thinking about that a lot and, and, and for the future and uh, to help the future. Uh, of our generations move forward in a great way. Amen. I'm glad you said that, Dave, because, you know, we're at the point of raised our sons, and we, we have a good relationship. Yeah, I made mistakes along the way. We all have. But we have a good relationship, and they've said I've been an example to them. But the one thing I want to make sure, I have grandchildren, not just children. I want to finish the race well, not get to the end and really be a bad example to them, make some huge faults and mistakes. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus and finish this thing well. The thing is, let's stand together this morning. I want to pray with you and for you, and we're going to close with the worship team. Let's thank the guys here, the man cave here. Thank you, guys. And you say, well, what do you mean? You talked about King Jehoshaphat. You talked about... He was facing a battle, and the enemy was coming against them, and I want to say we can relate to that. 
because there is a fight for your sons and daughters. There is a battle for their minds, their education, their spiritual life, their worldview. There is a battle for your sons and daughters. It's the most important battle. And it's going to take you, man of God, being a man of God, seeking the Lord, spending time with God intentionally, obeying God, hearing from God, following the Lord. Anything worthwhile will take time. It'll take some personal time, but I believe our sons and daughters are worth it. Can you say amen today? Amen. We're going to seek the Lord together. We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's just lift our hands toward heaven right now. I want to pray for you. They're going to worship in song here. Lord Jesus, I thank you for everyone in your house today. Every man, every woman, our sons and our daughters. I pray favor and blessing over them. I pray for the men especially today as we look at Father's Day. I pray for the man that is struggling. I pray for the man that is doubting. I pray for the man that feels like he's maybe falling. I pray for the the man that is getting a hold of you. I pray that we would seek you, that we would hear from you, that we would know you, that we would be men of God that you're building each and every day. I pray that we would be men for you. We'd be leaders and influencers. And I thank you, Lord, that you hear and answer prayer this morning. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.
Last day. Last week.